Father, we just thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you, Lord, that you are a good God. Your mercy endures forever. Thank you, Father, once again for your faithfulness, Lord, yet another day in the land of the living. In spite of, Lord, all our situations, oh Lord, that you have been faithful, you kept us alive, you gave us yet another day in your mercy so that, Lord, we could spend time in your presence, listen to your word, be strengthened in our inner man, that our minds will be refreshed, Father, that our that our resolve will be made even more stronger, that there will be an increase of your anointing over our lives, even as we receive your word by faith. Father, thank you for these opportunities, these mercies, O Lord, which have afforded us. Thank you, Lord. Just thank you. Thank you, Father, for your mercies, which are new every morning. They fail not. Great is your faithfulness. It is for the Lord's mercies, Lord, your servant said that we have not, we have not been consumed, Father. But Lord, we just want to thank you, Father. We just want to thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Father, for your tender mercies and for your love. And this morning, once again, we surrender ourselves to your kind hands. So Lord, speak to our hearts. Father, arrest us, Lord. By your spirit, Lord, and wash us by the water of your word. And again, Lord, fill us and strengthen us in our inner man so that we can, Lord, Father, know your ways, understand your ways, and walk in your ways, O Lord Jesus. To that end, I pray that you would anoint even the speaking and the hearing of this word. For in Jesus' name, Amen. Alrighty. So, can we just turn to John's Gospel, chapter 6. And let's read from a few verses. Um, and let's read from verse 13 to 15 first. Uh, this is, of course, uh, give you a, b- a bit of background. This is Jesus multiplying uh, the five barley loaves and two fishes and feeding 5,000 men plus children. And this is one miracle which is, uh, or sign, as the gospel according to John would put it. Uh, this one sign has been repeated in all the four gospels. And there is a particular truth um, that I would want to um, draw our attention to this morning. So uh, if you read from verse 13, this is after Jesus asks the disciples to distribute uh, the food after he gives thanks and he breaks the uh, bread and he distributes it to the 5,000. This is what happens in verse 13. Therefore, they gathered them up. Jesus says, let not, not even a single fragment go waste. So they gathered up all the fragments. Therefore, they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which were left over by the by those who had eaten. So, this is essentially uh, God pro- uh, doing a mighty miracle. So, whenever God provides, it's always an overflow. He doesn't provide stingily; He provides really generously. All right, that's one of the um, lessons that we learn. And then, of course, verse fourteen says, "Then those men, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did." Uh, uh, just note that word sign it's not a miracle so we we've been looking at this over and over and over again that sign um, implies a signifier that we just don't get carried away by the sign that we look at the person to whom the sign points out to and therefore this morning let us look at this then those men when they had seen the sign that jesus did said this truly is the prophet who is Come, who is to come into the world. Remarkable, isn't it? This is truly the prophet uh, who is to come into the world. Therefore, when Jesus perceived that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he departed again to the mountain 
all by himself. Okay, so Jesus went back. He just disappeared. Rather, he didn't want uh, any of those uh, people to um, accept him as king because they were not ready to accept him as king. They wanted to have a king which was a different idea altogether. Their idea of a king and Jesus didn't uh, allow that to happen. And same chapter and verse 22 now. Uh, this is after Jesus goes to the other side and um, on the following day when the people who were standing on the other side of the sea saw that there was no boat there, verse 22, except that one which his disciples had entered and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but his disciples had gone away alone. However, the other boats from Tiberias came, etc., etc. And then verse 25, it says, And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? This is, it's as if they were looking for Jesus. But Jesus answers fantastically. This is what he has to say in the next verse. Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, you do not seek me, not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Then in verse 27, he makes a powerful statement, do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the son of man will give, the son of man will give you because God the father has set his seal on him. And then they say, what is that work that we need to do? We don't have to turn there. Yeah, you can see what is that work that we need to do in order to get this bread. He says, first work, you don't have to do anything, just believe in me. The first work that you need to do is to just believe in me. And then he says, the following verses, you don't have to turn there. It says, I am the bread which has come from heaven. You, Unless you eat of my flesh and you drink of my blood, you will have no everlasting life. And they all start grumbling okay all start grumbling of course verse uh, 27 let's read that once again do not labor for the food which perishes but for the food which endures to everlasting life today's sermon title or teaching title do you have food Question mark. <laughs> Do you have food? <laughs> Alright, so very interesting <laughs> question. It's not like, you know, uh, we are in a lockdown and a lot of people have uh, possibly run out of supplies and uh, they're possibly not able to go out for whatever reason. Um, it's a good question to ask. Now, Jesus was showing them a parable. He fed them their physical food and he satisfied them temporarily. And then they come back for food and he says, you know what, that was just a parable for something deeper. Okay, your body needs physical food. Okay, and they say, okay, Moses gave gave us manna. He says, Moses gave that manna, but after they ate the manna, they died. But the meat that I'm going to give you, the food I'm going to give you will endure to eternal life. Okay. So, so he was just showing them a parable. So they, you got carried away by the sign and, and, uh, did not understand the true spiritual meaning behind the whole thing. 
You see, question is, do we have food? And do we have food, meaning, do we have food to give away? That is a point, yeah. So we are looking at a very important passage in Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 onwards. Let's read verse 1 and 2, that's enough. By, but know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. And we are literally living in those last days. We have been studying um, the attributes uh, the church at large, I mean church has to have and individual members in the church have to have in order for us to get through these last days and enter into the other side uh, victoriously as overcomers. So what are the attributes and the characteristics one should have in order for us to really, really overcome, not just endure, but overcome and enter into the other side because it says in the book of Revelation, he who overcomes will, what? Inherit all things. Okay. It is, it is to the overcomers, the Lord has given us promises of inheritance. What about the other guys? They were all children. They were all kept under guardians, but they didn't mature and God will say, okay, fine. You will, you, you will enter into eternity, but you will not enter as overcomers and therefore you will not inherit. Inheritance is promised to those people who say, if indeed we suffer with him, then we will also glorify together with him. Okay, we will inherit only if we have suffered along with him because we are co-heirs okay, of Christ. So this is very important for us to understand. So men, for men, why we are in these last days and we are looking at particular attributes as to what kind of attitudes we need to have in order for us to get through these last days. Before I go into today's uh, 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 main verse, I want to look at a correlation between the food that we have or the food that we consume and um, the, our behavior. For example, let's turn to Proverbs chapter 9 and look at certain things which is mentioned about food. Uh, verses 1 to 6 first. Okay, one, two, six, yes. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn out her seven pillars. Okay. Now this is a type of the church. Okay. Having, having seven pillars. And we know those seven pillars of wisdom. We have studied it so many times. It's found in the book of James chapter three. Alright. She has slaughtered her meat. She has mixed her wine. She has also furnished her table. It's interesting, right? She builds a home. A wise woman builds a home. And she, the wise woman also feeds her children. Okay? Both things she does. So she has slaughtered her meat. She has mixed her wine. She has furnished her table. Furnished matlab, it's just not a simple food. There's a spread, a nutritious food which is available on her table. Next, she goes on to say, she has also set, sent out her maidens. She cries out from the highest places of the city. This is basically evangelism. I mean, going out and saying, whoever is simple, let him turn in here. As for him who lacks understanding, she says to him, look at what it says. Come, what? Eat of my bread and drink of the wine that I have mixed. Now think about it. What is a church supposed to do? The maidens are supposed to, are, are the people who are essentially the people who have been sent out by God into different, different places for as ministry. And our purpose is to bring them all into the house of God 
evangelize them, okay, and bring them into the house of God so that they can eat. Alright? So, but we need to have a good sufficient food to eat and we should also have prepared people who can be sent out. Like Pastor was saying, right, yesterday, right, Paul and Barnabas were set apart for the ministry and they were sent by the church. There is a sending out of the church into the mission field and to gather people into the house of God, which is built by wisdom, seven pillars, and uh, they have food which will strengthen them. And look at, say, look at what it says, come eat of my bread, drink of the wine which I have mixed, and what this will cause you, it will fo- cause you to forsake foolishness and live, and also cause you to go in the way of understanding. You see? See, that is, I mean, uh, Chuck Missler says, you know, wise up and live. Wise up and live. How do you wise up and live? By eating of my bread that I give you and drinking the wine that I have mixed. Essentially an indication of the Holy Spirit bread and the word and the Holy Spirit. Anointing of the Holy Spirit and the word of God. Both together. On the other hand, on the in the same chapter, if you look at... Um, um, yeah, uh, yeah, same chapter, the last three verses, the last three verses of the, of the same chapter. Look at what, there's another lady called Folly. This is Folly. To, the Folly is calling out those who pass by, who go on their way. Whosoever is simple, let him turn in here. And as for him who lacks understanding, she says to him, does she have any food? No, 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 no. She has stolen water. And secret bread is what she's asking us them to find. Wisdom, on the other hand, has food to give. The authentic church, the authentic church under the anointing of the Holy Spirit has a set of elders who can feed their flock. That's what it says in First Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. The church of the living God is called the pillar and the ground of truth. Okay, on the other hand, there is another church which they steal their words one from another, says Prophet Jeremiah. They steal their words one from another. They all speak the same thing. Have you seen? They all speak the same thing. As Pastor says, they are brood essentially. They are always a, as a, as a, a bunch of guys coming together. What do they do? Stolen waters are sweet. Bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But they do not know that the dead are there and their guests are in the depth of hell. You see? So there are two kinds of churches. Okay. One church has the authentic food to give. To strengthen people in the way of righteousness. So they will forsake foolishness and live. And they will go in the path of understanding. You see? What a beautiful uh, uh, explanation of what understanding is. Yesterday pastor was talking about, right? Okay, you stand under what you have understood as what? Truths. And you submit to it. Whereas here, on the other hand, stolen waters are sweet, bread eaten in secret is pleasant. So there are two churches which are parallelly, you know, uh, moving, uh, uh, growing together. If you uh, if you turn to First Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1 and 2, look at what it says. Now, Spirit expressly says, I mean, yesterday was, pastor was talking, express delivery. Expressly says, meaning what? Boy, be very careful, guys, that in the latter times, or in the last days, another, another terminology, if you will, some will, what? 
depart from the faith. They are not continuing on the path of righteousness and, and holiness and, and, and wisdom and understanding. They depart from the faith. How do they get depart? How do they depart from faith? Giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. You see, there is a, there is, there's a tremendous danger and we all have to be absolutely careful about it. Because there are two kinds of deception. There's a deception of the world, which is called license. And there's a deception of the law. And there is only one gospel. Straight and narrow path. And we have to reject the law. And we have to reject the flesh. I mean the, the, the deception in the world. The world has to be rejected. The law has to be rejected. We have to ha- walk in line with the gospel. Alright. So there are false doctrines which take us take us away into license. There are false doc- doctrines which take us away into legalism. Both. Legalism and license. Both dangers are there. And both are deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. That is the reason why Paul says, if, to the, the Corinthian church, they says, because you guys have, take, have been taken away into pleasure, right? This, their, their problem is pleasure. So what, what does he say in 2 Corinthians chapter 11? He says, if someone comes and preaches another Christ, another gospel, another spirit, you happily accept. Again, to the Galatian church, which has been given over to legalism, he says, If anyone preaches any other gospel other than what we have already preached, let him be accursed. So there are two gospels. The gospel of legalism and there is a gospel of license. And the spirit says, no, 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 no. There is only one gospel which will be a gospel of liberty. For the letter kills, the spirit brings life and liberty. And therefore that gospel is something which we have to follow on. And therefore we need to know and we need to have a sumptuous, delicious meal of that gospel. And for that we need to build a home which is based upon wisdom. Wisdom has built a house, okay? And built upon seven pillars. Again, uh, a direct correlation between bread eaten and the behavior. Look at what it says in uh, Proverbs chapter 4 verses 14 onwards, okay? 14 to 17 if you will. Beautiful, okay? Every You, you do an analysis of bread. Okay, go to your, uh, go to your, um, um, home and just search for all the verses which talk about bread, especially in the, in the Proverbs. You will get a beautiful lesson. Look at what it says. Do not enter into the path of the wicked and do not walk in the way of evil. Why? Avoid it. Okay? Do not travel on it. Turn away from it and pass away. And then pass on, not pass away, pass on. Okay? Okay. For they do not sleep unless they have done evil. Boy, look at this. They do not sleep unless they have done evil. That means they are restless unless they have done evil. Their sleep is taken away unless they make somebody fall. That's what Paul says. In the last days, what evil men and impositors will wax, what? Worse and worse, deceiving others and they also are getting deceived. Okay, so what is happening over there? They do not sleep unless they do evil. They do not sleep unless they... Make somebody else fall. You see, always false doctrine, they want to have people who will justify them. Otherwise, it's not false. You need to have somebody uh, supporting you. But truth can always stand by itself. And then, verse 17, look at why. Why do they do that? For, that means for ka matlab kya hai? Because they eat the bread of wickedness and they drink the wine of violence. You see the direct correlation between bread and wine and behavior. You got it? 
one more verse and then you can see this is a very interesting verse also first uh, second proverbs chapter 31 uh, and this is talking about the wise woman right the wisest of all the women the epitome of wisdom which is essentially again a type of the church all right in its uh, this is essentially what god is looking for in his church proverbs chapter 31 verse 26 and 27 she opens her mouth with wisdom who is this the wise wise woman and on her tongue is the law of kindness wow see there's a law of sin and death and the law of the spirit and the law of the spirit is what a law of kindness okay because it is the goodness of god which brings us to repentance and then she watches over the ways of her household and she does not eat the what the bread of idleness even idleness is a bread ante if you are not doing anything you're eating a bread and what will that bread cause you turn cause you to do as i said there is a direct relation between the bread that you eat and the work and the behavior that you do first timothy chapter 5 verses 12 to 13 <clears throat> having condemnations because they have cast off their first faith this is talking about the widows and besides they learn to be idle my goodness Meaning, how to waste time. 25 strategies as to how to stay idle and do no work. They learn to be idle. And because they are learning to be idle, they wander about from house to house. And not only idle, but also gossips, busybodies saying things which they ought not to say and then next verse, verse 14 will say, therefore I desire that younger woman. Verse 15. Why? Therefore I desire that younger widows marry, bear children, manage the house, give no opportunity for the, to the adversary to speak reproachfully. For some have already turned aside after Satan. You see that if you eat the bread of idleness, okay, okay, I, idle man's mind is definitely a devil's workshop. So if you eat the bread of idleness, you become a slanderer and a gossiper. You will become and slanderer is a name for other, other name for Satan. He is also called a slanderer. Okay. So it, there is a direct relationship between the bread that you eat and the behavior that you have. That is the reason why Paul tells Timothy, watch your life and watch your doctrine. For by so doing, you will not only save yourself, but you will save those people who hear you. Okay, now. So this is very, very important. Okay, I've set the premise over here. Why? Because in the last days, perilous times will come and men will be lovers for themselves. And in the last days, uh, the Spirit explicitly says, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. And again, Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 3. Also, all these info concerning with the last days. Look at what it says. Actually, for a time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. You see that both, both, all these things are happening. Therefore, we need to have food, which is essentially the word of God, which is sumptuous and which is healthy. Okay. And therefore, we need to come to one particular son of Jacob. Who has a special blessing. Okay. Let's now turn to Genesis chapter 49 verses 1 and 2 first. Are you there? 
Very nice. And Jacob called his sons, gathered together, uh, that I may tell you what shall befall you in the last days. Gather together and hear you sons of Jacob and listen to Israel your father. Now verse 20. Kya baat hai? Bread formation shall be rich and he, sh- and he shall eat yield royal dainties. Okay, can you have the NIV also please? If you, if you don't mind. Asher's food will be rich. He will provide delicacies fit for a king. Kya baat hai? That is the reason why do you have food? Question mark. Now, first of all, what is the meaning of the word Asia? So, in order to have Asia's food, you need to be a Asia. In order to have Levi's authority, you need to be a Levi, spiritually. Okay. You should not be a Reuben. Okay. Because, you know, you understand what we understood Reuben. Okay. And we should also understand Gad. Gad was a Troop was trampled upon, but later he overcame. And he triumphed at last. And today we will talk about Mr. Asia. Okay. <laughs> right. Who is Mr. Asia? Okay. And I'm I'm telling you, the whole church has to be in Asia. It's it's a collective thing. It's just not one individual in the body of Christ. It is a collective bunch of people who will produce this food because wisdom has built her house and it has prepared her food spread out her table sent out her maidens and called them you see there's a huge process which is going on so uh, me giving you this food has is a collective effort of so many people which is going on okay it's this is just not this is just not one man's work okay i'm the one who's being shown for two and a half hours over here, but there's a lot of post-production, pre-production, camera work, all the things which are going on. And you know something, the director of any movie, by the way, is not even shown once in the movie. Do you know that? But he's called the what of the ship? Captain of the ship. He's called the captain of the ship, but he is not even shown once in the whole movie. So there's there's a lot of things which is going on in the background. And church is like that. A bunch of guys who create an ambience for the food to be produced and the food to be, uh, and for the maidens to be sent out and the people to be brought in. So there's a a whole lesson over here. So that Asia, therefore, is a spiritual entity. It is a church. Okay. So first of all, who is Asia? Asia means blessed. Or happy. Okay. Okay. Asher means blessed or happy. And by the way, the Bible, if you look at this particular word, Asher, Ashre is another uh, translation. I mean, uh, it's also another pronunciation. Asher, Ashre, they have the same set of Hebrew words. Ashre, Ashre, Ish means blessed is the man who walketh not, etc., etc. Means happy. And the New Testament equivalent of it is, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who are meek. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. The same word, happy, happy, happy. Blessed are those who don't get offended, etc. Okay, now, 
first of all, in order to get this blessing, how do you enter into that blessing is very, very important. No. That is the most important thing. How does one become ethnic? Can uh, how does one qualify first of all to become an Asia? That is the first thing that we need to look at. Are you getting it? So how does one qualify to become an Asia? If you read the entire uh, Bible, there's one particular psalm which helps you to first become an Asia. What is that psalm? Okay, happy, you know, at the cross, at the cross where I first saw the light, all the burdens of my heart were rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight and now I am. Now the word is happy, it's actually translated as blessed. I can bless it all the way. Happy, okay. Joyful, happy. Okay, blessed is a man. Who is this first blessed man? What, how do we enter into this blessedness is the most important thing that we need to understand. Okay, if you read Psalm 1, it says, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the counsel, but his delight in the, is in the law of the Lord, and in his Lord that he meditate day and night. And when you read Psalm 1, you'll get depressed. Lord, so many years, I have been a person who was uh, walking in the counsel of the ungodly, definitely standing in the way of sinners, sitting in the seat of the scornful, delight in the law of the Lord, I hated the law of the Lord. Meditate? Oh, I was meditating on something else. How can I even claim Psalm 1 as a promise, right? It's not easy. <laughs> can we? It's not easy. No, think about it honestly, you know. How many of us, when we read the Bible, truly always consider it as a delight? Not many. Not always. Sometimes it is real hard labor and you said, did I really enjoy what I did today? Is a question that you will ask. Therefore, if you read someone and say, okay, this is what a blessed man is, you will get depressed and you will get upset also. Therefore, I will take you to a psalm which will comfort you. Okay? First, let's turn to Psalm 32. <laughs> and you will know <laughs> how to first enter into that blessedness. First of all, we should enter into that blessedness. Okay? And we should Stay in that blessedness. These two things are important. Okay. If you just enter into the blessedness and you go out of the blessedness, then you cannot claim to be an Asher. It's not going to happen. You understood? So first of all, how do we enter into this blessedness? Psalm 32 will say, Blessed is he whose transgression is covered, is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Again, see, blessed is the man. Whom the Lord does not impute iniquity and in his, in whose spirit there is no guile. Now, think about this. This is a tremendous, tremendous, tremendous start. This is where we actually start as an Asia. Asia does not start by forsaking the council. I mean, not standing. That is, that is, that is, that is very difficult to follow. First of all, we have to enter into that blessedness. For example, yesterday pastor was saying something very interesting. He says, you are what? What is the title of yesterday's message? Accepted to race. To reign or to race. Okay. Accepted to reign. First of all, we have to be accepted. And where should we be accepted? Ephesians chapter 1 verse 6. Into the beloved. Okay. Then only our race has become, has begun. 
If you say, okay, fine, today onwards, I will not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the way of sinners, not sit in the seat of the scornful. If you start there, that that is your starting point, boy, there is no hope for you. See, our life starts with acceptance, not with works. Why am I saying this? Because this is the exact psalm David quotes in the book of Romans chapter 4. Turn to Romans chapter 4 and let's read from verses 3 onwards. Where is my okay? Thank you. Excuse me. Now, in order to uh, uh, teach the doctrine of justification by faith alone, apart from the works of the law, Paul is going to take two Old Testament examples. Okay, first he is going to take the example of Abraham. He says, verse 3, what does, what does scripture say? Abraham believed in God and it was counted to him for righteousness. Now by, in, very interesting, no? Very, very interesting this, this is. Where does it actually say Abraham believed in God and was counted to him for righteousness? What was his name? Avram, okay, okay, that's something, uh, that's a very interesting observation. I'm not going to uh, bra- brainstorm there. That's a different study altogether. Abraham believed in God and it was counted to him or accounted to him or credited to him for, he just believed. That is where we started, no? How do we do the works of God? Okay, so give us this food, he says. Give us this food and uh, he says, don't labor for the food that per- perishes. But labor for the food that will give you everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you. Okay. And, and where, where should we start that labor? That labor you have to enter into that rest, Baba. You have to labor to enter into that rest. So how, what is that rest? Abraham believed in God. And it was credited to him for righteousness. By the way, Abraham didn't do one thing here to deserve this. Okay, let's move on. Now to him who works... The wages are not counted as grace but as debt. Meaning, if you work, the company is not giving you a gift. Right? I mean, you work for by, by the end of the month, for all the hard work that I put in and the extra hours that I put in, I should get salary plus extra time. And if I worked on weekends, I should get double. Now he's compa- <laughs> comparing the wages of sin is what? Debt. Death, right? The wages of sin is death. That means if you want wages, you'll get the wages of sin. All that you worked for and the extra time, double. Okay. Got it. So, now to him who works, because every work is a dead work. It's a sin. It Misses the mark. Because by by the works of the law, no man is justified. Yesterday, like pastor gave a beautiful example. If the plate is dirty and the food is clean, the ultimate result equal to what? Is dirty. Right? So all our works are as filthy rags and every work is a dead work because it has missed the mark that was ordained by God or was was set by God and that mark is Christ Jesus. So if you haven't missed, haven't uh, met that standard, what have you, you have wages of sin and you will get extra time also for that. So now to him who works, 
the wages are not counted as grace, but as that God has to give you. But, look at the verse 5 now. But to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, what is credited? His faith is credited as righteousness or for as accounted for righteousness. Now look at the verse 6 now. Beautiful. Just as David also describes the blessedness of the man to whom God imputes righteousness apart from works when he says, he's quoting from Psalm 32. Okay, now let us, let me just explain this to you. For a Christian, we begin from rest. We begin with a declaration of God over our life that you are good. Okay. That's exactly what entering into rest means. Come to me all you who are laboring and heavy laden. I will give you rest. Matlab, I will declare that you are righteous. You don't have to do one good thing. That's exactly what happened to Adam. When Adam and Eve were created, God looked at them. They were clothed in the glory of God. Okay. And God looked at them and said, this is what good? Very good. That is when Adam started from rest. Yes, Adam, God gave Adam some work. But he did not work to gain God's approval. He worked because he gained God's approval. Because he was already approved of God, in other words. <coughs> you understood? So here what is happening? Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute, in, uh, impute sin. And is it happening with works? David, um, Paul says in verse 6, just as David says about the man to whom God imputes righteousness apart from works. The first way, therefore, to enter into this blessedness is to have what? Justification. You should be justified by faith. Lord, not by the works that I have done. Not by the works that I have done. All the works that I have done is up Absolutely nothing. It's like filthy rags. Everything will, you know, fall short of your glory. That's exactly what happened when Adam sinned, his glory departed and he knew that he was naked and he was ashamed. So what did he do? He covered himself. What, what happened when Adam sinned? He fell short of the glory of God. The mark that God has appointed for him. But unfortunately these days what we do is we don't set that mark, we reduce the standard. That is the reason why Jesus says, don't think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish but to fulfill. If any one of you takes even the least of these commandments and relaxes them, will be called least. Relaxing the requirement of the law. So the, the, when the moment you understand the law in its totality, what you will know is, Lord, I can never ever ever uh, meet the righteous requirements of the law, especially when the law says thou shall not covet. That Paul says when, thou, when the law says thou shall not covet all kinds of covetous desires were produced in me. Finished. When you somebody said don't say, don't do it I wanted to do it. So how do you enter how do you first become an Asher? By first having your transgressions forgiven. Second 
Your sin has to be covered. And the Lord should not any impute any iniquity. And has to declare you righteous. Okay. Has should not impute any iniquity. And fourth thing, you should not have any guile in your spirit. These, this is essentially what Asher's, I mean, this is how you become a Asher. First, how do you become an Asher? You get become an Asher by having your transgressions forgiven. Okay. Then, your sin has to be covered. Not covering your sin. <laughs> Somebody else has to cover your sin. He's not saying you go and cover your sin. No, 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 no. Alright? And by Lord saying that you are what? Righteous. He does not impute any sin, iniquity to, iniquity to you, but on the contrary, he imputes what to you? Righteousness to you. He imputes righteousness without works. He declares you righteous just as if you have never sinned and in whose spirit there is no deceit or there is no guile, there is no hypocrisy. That means you have come to a point where you, wherein you are transparent. What does it mean? What, is, what, is, what does hypocrisy mean? You are trying to cover up and tell people what you are not. But once God has declared you righteous, you don't have to pretend before people. A lot of people pretend before others and they try to justify themselves before others. On the contrary, when God looks at them, their life is absolutely in shambles. There's so much of guile and hypocrisy. Their intentions are not right. Turn with me to Romans chapter 2, please. <clears throat> Right? Look at what it says. Verse 15 and, uh, verse 14 to 15, uh, 16, Dr. Richard. Verses 14 to 16. Are you understanding? Is it simple? Okay. For when the Gentiles who do not have the law, by nature do the things contained in the law, these although not having the law are a law to themselves, who show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and between themselves their thoughts either are excusing them or Accusing them when? Next verse. In the day when God will judge the secrets of men according to, by, by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. So what is going to happen on that day? All the secrets of men which you have hidden when your conscience was accusing you or excusing you which you hid them. All those thoughts will be played out that God will have a data. Will have a data card. Terra, he has no problem with the size. Okay. We have FUP limit, uh, one, one TB, uh, 1000 GB is 1 TB is equal, right? So we have FUP, FUP limit as 1 TB. God has no FUP limit. He's got infinite data. Okay. He was the first one who has all data in the cloud. Okay. <laughs> so he, he can get all the data, every thought, every secret of men according to the gospel will be judged by that man, Jesus Christ. Okay. So you have to give an account to him. So if he declares you are yours righteous, if he says, you know what, I have, I got you covered, <laughs> you don't have to cover yourself. So who is the blessed person whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin has been covered, to whom the Lord does not impute sin. And because of these three things, what has happened to him, there is absolute transparency in his life. He's not pretending before anybody anymore. 
That is a blessed person. How does this happen? Is a question. How does this happen? Now, let's go to the same chapter. How does one enter into this blessedness? Psalm 32 verses 3 and 4. Now, <clears throat> when I kept silent, <laughs> who did it? No, I did not do it. See, God keeps silence. Or rather, when you keep silence, God, God is watching. Okay. He's tightening the screws in your life. Look at what has happened. When I kept silent, my bones grew old. I thank God for this man and thank God for the groaning all the day long. Why? Why was he groaning all the day long? Day and night, God's hand was heavy upon him and his vitality was turned into the drought of summer. Selah. Stop there. What does Selah mean? Pause and contemplate. And you know, whenever there's contemplation, there's an interlude. Okay. Selah. You know, whenever you're singing songs, what happens is that there's a Selah means there's a pause and pause means you're just not pausing, you're playing the music. So sometimes you go from a major note to a minor note or minor note to a Another note or scale change, etc. A lot of variations is going on over there. So that you will start contemplating. What's going on, Lord? Day and night. This guy is singing these songs, right? It's amazing, isn't it? He says, he's singing, he says, Day and night, Lord, your hand was heavy upon me. Okay, first, I don't know what sin. He is definitely not, not talking about the sin of Bethsheba. But this guy was a very sensitive person. Heavy upon him. Small, small, small sins used to bother him. At least when he was young. Small robe he cut off from Saul's, Saul's, uh, uh, small part of the robe, uh, of Saul's robe he cut off and he was, his conscience was pricking him all the time. And because of that, God's hand was heavy upon him. Thank God, when you when God's hand is heavy upon you and when he's sending you those arrows of conviction and disturbing your conscience and disturbing your sleep and you cannot sleep, blessed are you. When the arrows of conviction is coming from the pulpit week after week, week after week, and you are subjecting yourself to those arrows of conviction, even if you are not confessing, but you are getting conviction, convicted and you are and you're fighting, fighting, blessed are you. And if the conviction has stopped, boy, you are not blessed. If you are not blessed, I don't know what the other word is. I don't want to even use it. And he says, for day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was turned into the drought of summer. Have you seen summer? The drought of summer, meaning uh, the drought means the land on which I am, which I am uh, walking is being completely divided. There's death everywhere. My life is full of deadness. I'm not able to enjoy life. I'm crippled by fear. Crippled. That's the reason why it says in Proverbs chapter 28, verse 1, the right, the wicked, yeah, you can read that actually, for those people who do not know. The wicked flee when no one is pursuing, but the righteous are as bold as lion. Are you fearful? Are you crippled by, by fear, especially the fear of death? You are not sure where you'll end up when you finish this race on earth. Thank God is giving us an opportunity to contemplate. Guilt. Lot of condemnation and guilt. And 
God is sending you those arrows of conviction into your life. What are you going to do about it? The hand of God was heavy upon David. One year, second, one year famine, second year famine, third year famine. And he said, Lord, what's going on? Thank God for a king who's sensitive like that. Conviction. Everybody else might think that I am a great king. I am such a benevolent king. I am such a merciful king. I am such a generous king. By marrying the widow of my friend. Deep down inside of his heart. Disturbed. Conviction. I think one, what paralyzes people, it says, my bones grew old. You know what bones stand for? Strength, support. I'm not able to even stand. I just, I'm like totally paralyzed. I'm not able to walk properly. There's a paralysis which has come into my system. I'm walking with the sense of condemnation and guilt. I kept silent. And then verse 5. What did I do? I acknowledged my sin. Proverbs 28, verse 13. We looked at verse 1. Let us look at verse 13. We know this very well. He who covers his sin will not prosper. But he who confesses and forsakes them will Obtain mercy. And you say, you mean to say, I have to confess? Yes, sometimes you have to confess publicly. Like when Job the Baptist was baptizing people for a, in a baptism of repentance, they all came publicly confess their sins. Sometimes you have to do it. Sometimes you might have done a lot of things in your life and you cannot even speak it out and you are paralyzed by fear. I want to show you one one man like that. Paralyzed means his bones are completely and he's bedridden, literally. Okay, turn to Luke's Gospel, chapter five. Let's read from verse seventeen onwards. I love this. One of my favorite passages in the Bible because I, I imagine myself like that. No, now it happened on a certain day as he was. Everybody say, teaching. Abba, I like that. No, Jesus and teaching go together. He never wastes time. Okay, he was he was an itinerant preacher. But he used all his opportunities to teach. That there were Pharisees and teachers of the law. He was teaching and there were teachers of the law. That is a beautiful irony over there. Fantastic, no problem. Who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea and Jerusalem. And what was present there? And the power of the Lord. Everybody see this. The power of the Lord was present to heal. See what is there? Teaching is there. And there is a power of the Lord. What is the gospel? The power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. That is the gospel. Gospel, even though it is expressed in mere words, when it is anointed by the Holy Spirit, and it comes 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 from the conviction of the Holy Spirit, it has got the power of God to transform people's lives. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them, but the one people who are not being touched by the whole thing was the Pharisees. And they have become a stumbling block too. They are becoming a hindrance for a guy who needs to hear that. And behold, men brought a man, brought a, on a bed a man who was paralyzed. I told you, right? Paralyzed. I, I believe he was paralyzed by condemnation and guilt. Why do I know it? And he was possibly even confessing. 
See, confession, confession doesn't have to always be open, openly spoken. Lord, I did it. I can't even say this to anybody. People will not understand. But God understands. Sometimes even if you don't, you don't have to say even one single word. God sees your attitude of your heart and he accepts that as confession. I'll, I'll show you. Show you several places, okay. Behold, men brought on a bed a man who was paralyzed, whom they sought to bring in and lay before him. And when they could not find because of uh, how to, uh, how might, how might, how they might bring him in, because of the crowd, they went up onto the housetop, let him down with his bed through the tiling into the midst before Jesus. And when they, when he saw their faith, I love that. Some people might have brought you to the house of God, and God sees their faith. And you know what he says? Man? Ah, their sins are forgiven. You see, did he even confess? No. I think God sees. I, th- I This is what I, I think. I don't want to make a doctrine out of this. God, he, must, he must have said, Lord, I don't even deserve this act of mercy. You know what all I did. I can't even tell it to my friends. They are thinking that my problem is a physical problem. But you only know why I am in, why I am in this in this situation and in this condition. And then the scribes and the Pharisees began to, began to reason, saying, "Who's this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins except God?" Obviously, naturally, that's the right question to ask. That means he is ah, he is God. That's the point. <laughs> it's a good question. <laughs> okay, and then, but. That you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralyzed man, I say to you, rise up, take up your bed and go to your house. And immediately he rose up. What has happened? Why did he stand up on his feet? Simply because he had this in his heart that his sins were forgiven. His bones suddenly got strengthened. I'll show you another confession. Turn to Luke's Gospel chapter 7. Are you there? And read from verse. Seven. Sorry. Verse uh, 36. And then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. And behold a woman in the city who was a sinner. When she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil and he started anointed and she kissed her feet. Okay, you know the story. Look at how Jesus ends. Verse 46 to 50. You do not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore I say to you, her sins which are many are forgiven for she loved much but to whom little is forgiven the same love same loves little and then she says then he said to her your sins are did she do any confession god saw her heart god saw her heart and he and he and he, and he says sins are forgiven and uh, sorry and the last verse 50 yeah 50 then he said to the woman your faith has saved you go in peace your sins are forgiven. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. What does that mean? You have peace with God. You've been justified. I'm reckoning you as if you are never sinned. And therefore you are, according to Psalm 32, 
blessed. That is what we call as repentance, genuine repentance, godly sorrow. This is essentially the work of the Holy Spirit. You cannot produce repentance on your own. The repentance of the world will produce death, but the repentance of God. How do you know that even though, what's his name, Cornelius was, uh, what, that, what was that righteousness that God, pastor was using, the term? Provisionally righteous. He was provisionally righteous, but provisionally accepted, yeah. Provisional acceptance. He enjoyed provisionally provisional acceptance. But in order to for him to be completely accepted, he has to what? Repent. Right? And it says that the Holy Spirit was poured upon them and they repented. I mean, they, uh, it says that uh, they were baptized and they were accepted into the kingdom. But how do you know that they actually received the Holy Spirit? Look at what it says in Acts chapter 11. A very, very powerful verse. Acts chapter 11 and verse verse 18. When they heard these things, they became silent and glorified God saying, this is when uh, Peter rehearses the the story, I mean the, the, the testimony at Cornelius' house. Then God has also granted to the Gentiles, what? Repentance that leads to life. How do they know that they have been filled with the Holy Spirit? They have repented. Holy Spirit brings conviction and also brings godly sorrow which leads to repentance. Okay. Which involves confession, which involves so many other things. Sometimes the confession has to be public. Sometimes the conviction is, is between you and God. Okay. So what happens? Let's turn back to Psalm 32 now. Psalm 32. Verse 5, I acknowledged Psalm 32, not Job 32, Psalm 32 verse 5. I acknowledged my sin and my iniquity I have not hidden. I confess my transgression. The three things he does. He acknowledges his sin. The iniquity he does not hide. And he confesses his transgressions. Transgression means what? He has done something which he is not supposed to do. What is sin? He has fallen short of the glory of God. And what is iniquity? That which has empowered his sin. For example, greed, fear. So what does, what's his name? Zacchaeus do? Half my goods I give to the poor. That means that was my greed basically. Covetousness. And why was I covet? Why, why, why was I uh, stealing? Because of covetousness. First half my goods I give it to the poor. I break covetousness first. And then if ever I have taken anything from anybody wrongfully, that is transgression. Right? I will give it to them. And you know what God says? Today salvation has come into this house for he is also a what of Abraham? A son of Abraham. So that is how you become blessed. You become an Asher by what? Repenting, confessing and allowing God to make you righteous and there is absolute transparency in your life. You know why? Because you don't have to pretend before God anymore. How do I know this? Turn to John's Gospel, chapter 6, verse 28 and 29. Oh, so, so, so for 4, John's Gospel, chapter 4, verse 28 and 29. Not 6, 20, uh, 4, verses 28 and 29. 
the woman then left her water pot. Who is this woman? The Samaritan woman. Went her way into the city and said to the men from whom she was hiding. What, she, what was she doing? She was hiding from all these people. Now she has become absolutely transparent. She says, you know what? Come see a man who told me all the things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Kya baat hai? You see, you know one of the things that, one of the blessedness that we have to always continuously experience as believers is that this gift of repentance, when we confess, when we allow God to cleanse us and then we walk in repentance and we have boldness towards God, we have a clear conscience with God and we have clear conscience with man. And you know what Paul says in Acts chapter 22, he says, I always strive to have a clear conscience with God and with man. Having a perfectly clear conscience, what a blessedness it is. And it is possible in the new covenant. You know why? Your conscience has been purged from dead works by the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus will come. If you confess, he is faithful and just to forgive you from all your unrighteousness. He is faithful and he is just. And what is he going to declare you? As righteous and therefore you have been accepted first to reign. You have completely been accepted, notwithstanding whatever sin you might have committed in your past. Okay, did you get that, everybody? So first, who is the blessed one? We got the definition. Second, how to enter into that blessedness? Okay. Third, there is a time within which frame we have to enter into this blessedness. Turn now, Psalm 32 now, verses 6 and 7. Before which time, Baba? He'll tell you. For this cause, everyone who is godly shall pray to you in a time when you have to be found. Surely in a flood of great waters, they shall not come near him. Kya baat hai? Okay. Now look at this. No? This is a very sad thing. Very, very sad thing. What I'm, I'll tell you what is a sad thing I've seen. I'm looking at a lot of people around the world, especially from the western um part of uh, the Christian world who are really going through real trouble now, suffering because of the coronavirus. And I'm looking and browsing through people who are real genuine godly people. I'm not going to name names. Okay, I'm looking at them. Nobody is warning about the signs of the times. They are saying, they are telling people how to handle suffering. That's okay. I am not saying that we should not teach people how to handle suffering. But nobody is telling, this is a warning from God. Nobody is saying that. Why are you afraid? Why are you? I mean, I'm talking about genuine godly people who have, who are streaming their messages online, live streaming their sermons, and real, real honest godly people whom I look up to and who have real solid doctrine, who have reformed theology, if you will. Absolutely from the reformed circles, who will, who have understood they have, they are not false teachers at all. They are absolutely godly, righteous people, but unfortunately they don't have, they are not able to read the signs of the times. They are saying, they are saying, you know, suffering comes to everybody and God is teaching us to how to handle suffering. Okay, fine. But why has this happened? Why are we not going to the root cause analysis? Is it because of our greed? Why are we afraid? It's remarkable. See, we need to have 
and we need to have an, an eschatological mindset what does that mean meaning we we as god's people live as if the last days will come during our time it may not come we are not saying that it will, it will come during our it will come for sure during our time but we are prepared for the worst case scenario and the last days started when the moment Jesus ascended into heaven, it says in Hebrews chapter 1, in the, uh, God in sundry times, in diverse manners, in diverse ways has spoken to us uh, through the prophets, diverse times and diverse ways has spoken to us, through the, but in these last days has spoken to us through his son. We are living in these last days, right from the time of the apostles. And the first century, the first letter which was written to the written by the apostle to the, to the Thessalonian church, they were living in the light of eternity. And that's the reason why John says in John 1 John chapter 3, he if you have this hope that you will see him one day as he is, whoever has this hope will what? Cleanse himself because he is also pure. So that means you have an eschatological mindset that one day he is going to come back and that can happen anytime, even during my time. And I want to be prepared for that. Why are you afraid? It's really, really remarkable. I'm seeing stunned by some voices which are coming from different, different reform circles. And I'm saying, why are you so scared? What? You don't want to offend. I told you, right? You don't want anybody to criticize you. Oh, you're all prophets of doom. You don't want to call anybody. You don't want anybody to call you that. What if I'm wrong? Then I will be, then I will have made a lot of people stumble. Why are you afraid? See, there's a problem. And the remarkable thing is this, this is, this particular epidemic is a worldwide thing. It has never happened anytime in recent history after the Second World War. Second World War was a last catastrophe that has happened to the world and we look at us and we are living in a time where some virus in America, in, in, in China has affected us and the whole world has been affected by an epidemic. Why are we afraid? Why are we afraid to speak out and prepare a people? When it is true, can you see how many things are going on? I'll tell you why. You know why? You have the spirit to discern doctrine, but you do not have the sufficient spirit to understand the signs of the times. That's what I call the spirit of Issachar. And a church in the last days have to have all these characteristics. Look at what it says. For this cause, everyone who is godly shall pray to you in a time when you may be, when you may be found, surely in a flood of great waters, they shall not come near you. And what is happening? And the next verse will say, you are my hiding place. You shall preserve me from trouble. You shall surround me from songs of deliverance. And full stop is what? Selah means what? Contemplate on this, guys. Contemplate, contemplate. There is a time. There is a set time of God. And after you pass that time, it's over. It's over for you. It's curtains. And we are teaching how to handle suffering. I'm not saying we should not teach. You should have been prepared for, you should have, you should have that suffering mindset every day. And suddenly times have come, now you want to suddenly, uh, what do you say, uh, doctor up and, uh, no, not doctor up, somehow manufacture this suffering mindset is not going to come. You have to choose the path of suffering every day. You should die to your cross daily. So that when it comes, you are not taken by surprise. It may come or it may not come, but you are prepared. That's the point. You see, 
This is important because there's a time set by God. And 120 years for Noah. See, why did even Noah build an ark? Why did he build an ark? Are we not supposed to be a Noah generation? Look at what it says in uh, Proverbs, uh, sorry, Hebrews chapter 11 verse 5. We want us to look at this very, uh, sorry, 11, uh, 11 verse 7. <clears throat> 11 7. By faith, Noah, what? You see, divinely warned? Is there not a warning? And we are scared of telling people, you know what, God is warning us. Prepare yourself. An ark meaning, it is just not uh, ark physically for, for, uh, for uh, Noah, but for us, it's a, it's a, it's, it's not even the church per se. It's a life that God wants us to have which will pass muster at the judgment. Which will stand judgment when it, when it comes. Moved with godly fear. Prepared an ark for the saving of his household by which he condemned the world and became a heir of righteousness which is according to faith. See what has happened? People are not prepared. People are not prepared. They are going to, they are only, it's okay fine after the suffering is this pandemic goes another You'll have a time of ease and everybody will go to go back to their normal lives. Have you seen uh, people, they actually have accepted this as norm? Do you see that? It's, it's remarkable, it's remarkable, no? How, whenever, you know, Olympics, by the way, is decided three Olympics ahead. Tokyo, LA, and I think the next one is in uh, Brazil or someplace. Not even Brazil, some, some other place. Three are already decided. In other words, you're so sure by the next next four, four years, we are going to have Olympics. You know what God has done? He has shut Olympics this year. Next Olympics, we will get the gold medal. Olympics Forget about Olympics. Wimbledon is gone. French Open is gone. US Open is gone. These are regular events. What does, what does Federer say when he loses Australian Open? Next year I'm going to come back. There is no next year, Baba. That means the cycle of uh, your calendar, you have never factored in God. That's my point here. You are not even con- contemplating what is going on over here. You are so blinded. And we in the church also are blinded. We are asleep. There is no sense of urgency. Where, what areas in my life should I really get straightened up, Lord? The word is coming over and over and over again and so many people, even within our own church, is not listening. You know what they will do? They will judge the speaker. Oh, they are so tough. They are so... Why? Why are we doing it? Asking ourselves, Lord, what is going on? Has this ever happened before? See, that's exactly what, you know, Jeremiah was one guy, you know, that's what he was a prophet of doom. This, this guy kept on warning and warning and warning and warning. He said, Babylonian captivity is coming, captivity is coming, captivity is coming, captivity is coming. Though nobody would listen. All prophet, all the false prophets will say, yes, no, 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 Babylonian captivity, nothing is going to happen. So what does God do? He sends the first round. Okay, first round. That's the first warning. He he comes, Nebuchadnezzar comes and he takes a few people and he takes them captivity. First round. Jeremiah says, please repent, please repent, please repent. False prophets will say, ah, nothing's going to happen. 
When Jeremiah sends the word, they, that fellow tears it and puts it into the... You should see, I mean, you should read the book of Jeremiah. It's, as a pastor says, it's depressing. In fact, if you read the Bible, if you think that you're going to have a very, very high day, it could be one of the most depressing days for you. Actually, if you really, really read the Bible. And then, oh, false prophets will say, okay, 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 fine, fine, no problem. Jeremiah is, uh, is actually speaking the false thing. In fact, he is making our soldiers fear and they are not going to fight, fight in the battle because they are all fearing now. Put him in the dungeon, kill him, etc. Babylonian captivity happens. Everybody is gone. A few people are left. You should see the book of Jeremiah, okay? A few people are left. Now they come to Jeremiah and say, should we stay back here or should we go to Egypt? Jeremiah says, no, 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 don't go to Egypt, stay. So Jeremiah, no, no, so he says, okay, fine, I'll go and inquire of the Lord. He goes and inquires of the Lord and he comes back and he says, stay. God says, stay, don't go anywhere. No, 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 no. We will go to Egypt. They all go to Egypt. It's remarkable. <laughs> you see, what does it mean? They want life to be just the way they want it to be. They never factor in, factoring in God. And God is saying, I've interjected, I've put my foot down in the vector of time. Now, turn your heads towards me. Don't waste time on stupid things. What am I going to do after this plague is over? People have already contemplated what they're going to do. They're going to make plans now. I will go to this university, that college, this this job or this place or that place. Never factoring in God, standing back and saying, what is the Lord teaching me through all this? Am I living in the light of judgment? You see, that is what Asher means. You live in the life of what? In the light of judgment. Look at what it says in Second Peter chapter 3, verse 3. Knowing this first, that scoffers will come during the last days. Why are they scoffers? They are walking according to their, what is own lusts? Lust is much desire. They have their own desires. What is their desire? Career is their desire. Money is their desire. Education is their desire. Every, whatever desire, whatever, those are not bad desires by the way. Are they good, are they bad desires or good desires? They are good desires. To get educated is not a bad desire. To make a good career and to have a good career is not a bad desire. But have you factored in God in all of this? I mean, it's a very humbling statement. Like Pastor was saying yesterday, none of our degrees that we have obtained is going to take us to eternity. They're going to get, they won't, they will get burnt. For me, the doctorate degree that I've earned has gotten me a marriage license, that's all. Basically. It might upset a lot of people, but unfortunately it's true. It upsets me basically most of the time. There's a question that I used to have. All the hard work I did, Lord, what am I going to do with it? Do something else. You see? It's important. So knowing, what are they doing? They are walking according to their own lusts. That is the reason why it says, blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord. Ashre. 
Asher. Cursed is a man that makes fleshes strength and whose heart departs from the Lord. For he shall be like a dry shrub, which will not see good end. But happy is a man, for he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that shall bear fruit. You see, that's you, you understand what I'm, what I'm talking about over here? And this is, they're scoffers. They're not scoffing God by their, by their words. They're scoffing God by their actions. Where is the promise of their com- of this coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. That means, what conference we had last year, we will have this year. And the next year, and the next year, and the next year. Next year, choose kunta. Next year, nakpote. Uh, even Christian conferences, every year, we have an annual conference of uh, uh, of evangelists and pastors training, all gone. Our own pastors' conference is not there now, <laughs> if you think about it, actually. I mean, think God has shut down everybody. Stop. Don't scoff as if I did not speak. Like C.S. Lewis made a fantastic statement. He says, when you are prosperous, God whispers. When you are going through adversity, God screams. Are we hearing? He says, where the promise of this, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Next verse. Verse 5. For this day, Willfully forget. Adi point akala. Meek telika kaadu. Meek telika jayasthe okay problem ilayadu. It is not because you don't know. You are willfully ignorant. Murkhatwaan lagu chinna dawadike. Kaabalskona chinna murkhatwaan. Nen murkhutna ipotanu. Ani vadu. Nirnainchkuna lente. A fool has said in his heart, no God, there is no God, God. No God, there is in italics. Fool has said, no God. God is there, but not in me, not in my decisions. That's my point, that is his point. I want a God of my convenience, who is going to come aside me, beside me, and help me on the path which I have chosen for myself. Own desires. And if God were not to send all these things, would we really even concentrate on on coming down? We will see. Sometimes some people, you know, they have ministry dreams also. One after this is over, then I will plan another meeting over here, another meeting over there. What, Baba? What, Baba? What meetings, Baba? What meetings? You know what Paul said? I want to go now. That is my desire, fellows. You are not ready. What can I do? What meetings? You see, that is what I'm saying. So they are willfully ignorant that they by, that by the word of the word of God, the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of water and in water by which the world has has then existed, perished, being flooded with water. You see, what is what is he talking about? He's saying, you know, world was completely judged once, and God did not have any remorse. I mean, he grieved a little, 
but he wiped out the entire planet. <laughs> he wiped out the entire planet. This was baptism and put them in under baptism like that. That's it. Kill them all. They are willfully ignorant of that. They think that God is just going to tolerate. God, God is long suffering means what? He has tolerated for such a long time. And let us, allowed us to frolic in our own desires. Whatever those desires may be. They may be serious desires. But they were your own desires. Okay. There is a time to seek the blessing. Therefore, don't procrastinate repentance. What does God say? Today, if you have heard his voice, do not harden your heart. Do not say no Lord. Procrastination, kal kar denge. कल करे सो आज कर आज करे सो अब क्या बात है अब अभी चाहिए tomorrow will be too late maybe for us so first we have what is the blessed condition second is how to get into the blessed condition and there is a time to get into the blessed condition then once we get in we have to stay in that blessed condition. How? Let's go to Psalm 32 now, verse 8. I will instruct you <laughs> and teach you in the way that you should go. I will guide you with my eye. That's exactly what Paul, Paul uh, Isaiah says. You will hear a voice behind you telling you which way to go, turn to the left or turn to the right. He will instruct you, guiding you with his eye. And I will teach you. This is the most important thing. Okay. I will teach you. I will teach you. See, this this is something which what we call as, uh, uh, again, I mean, we just keep uh, get, uh, getting back to this over and over again. You are delivered and you have to walk in your deliverance. Right? Now, the point here is this. Uh, how do we get into this? T- turn to Matthew chapter 11. And let's read from the last two verses of Matthew chapter 11. That's all. You know it. 28, 27. <clears throat> yeah, 28 onwards. 28. It says, come to me, all that you will labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. That's the first part, where you confess your sins. Then, look at this. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for yourselves. First, I will give you rest. Second, you will find rest. Both are important. How do you that find that rest every day? By seizing from your works every day. By dying to the flesh every day and laboring into enter into God's rest. Like pastor was saying, you are, when, when, when you, when you are called into the ministry, you are doing everything. All the spectrum you are doing. And then God slowly cuts down, cuts down, cuts down everything. I want to do this, I want to do that, I want to do this. Oh, so many things that you you want to do, no? And God says, okay, I'm cutting down everything. And finally, you will do that one work which has been assigned to you. You will not be scattered in different, different directions. And in that area, you will be the maximum blessing. That is where I will guide you with the, as with my eye. 
So if you want to do this, what should you do? You should have, you should not have an attitude. What is that attitude? Turn to Psalm 32, verse 9. Do not be like the horse or the mule. You know, this is exactly what God, what God has done. You know, we were all running away in different directions. Manam horse like a gurra gurra eskone, iltanayunam. We were stallions, basically. We were free. <laughs> you know what God did? Coronavirus. He was literally, he put hooks in our nose. Under global grand fasting. Got us to our stables. And you know what? You can take a horse to the water, but you cannot make it drink. Now he's asking you to please drink my word. So he has put, he did, he did this literally to one king in Israel. You, you want to know who that king is? Actually Judah. Second Chronicles chapter 33, verse 1 onwards. The worst king, man Telugu, worst. Worst in English is worst in Telugu. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Verse 1 onwards. Manasseh was 12 years old when he became king and he reigned how many years, Baba? 55 years, 11 times 5. Okay. Okay, he got five, eleven times of grace he got, Baba. But he did evil in the sight of the Lord according to the abominations of the nations whom the Lord has cast out before the children of Israel. Go on. For he rebuilt the high places which Hezekiah's father had broken down. He raised up the altars of Baal, made wooden images. He worshipped all the host of the heaven and served them. He also built altars in the house of the Lord, of which the Lord has said, In, the, in Jerusalem shall my name be forever. Go on. And he built altars for all the hosts of heaven. He also he caused the sons to pass through the fire in the valley of son of Hinnom. Verse 11. Spirits, everything, sorcery, all he's doing. He, verse 11. Therefore the Lord brought Upon them the captains of the army of the king of Israel, who took Manasseh with, the word exactly is hooks in his nose, bound him in his bronze fetters and carried him off to Babylon. And there he put him in quarantine. Contemplate now. Next verse. Now when he was in affliction, he implored the Lord his God, and he humbled himself greatly before. By this time, the damage has been done. This is a point of no return for Judah. But look at the grace of God. He prayed to him. He received his entreaty, heard his supplication, and brought him back to Jerusalem into the kingdom of God, into his kingdom. Then Manasseh knew that the Lord was. Um, that means you had another God. Actually, NIV will say Manasseh knew that the Lord is God. The Lord is God. That means you are going off into different, different tangents. You are, you are sending your children to Molech. You are worshipping several other idols. You have been scattered into different directions. And what did I do? I put hooks in your nose and I brought you here. And God says, Don't be like a horse or a mule. Learn. Come under my teaching. Submit yourselves to authority is the question that is getting reiterated. Point which is getting reiterated over and over again. Huh? Have you been, have you submitted is a question. Are they point of submission, 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 submission. But have you submitted?
Okay, Psalm 32. Let's go back. Verse 10 and 11. Many sorrows shall be to the wicked. But he who trusts in the Lord, what shall surround him? Mercy shall surround him. Kya baat hai? Blessed is he that trusts in the Lord. Happy is he, you know? And what will God do? He will surround you with mercy. Don't leave that. Stay. Stay in that. As long as you are in the four corners of God ordained teaching authority which God has ordered for you, you know what? You are in mercy. You have hope. If you leave outside, I don't know. Sometimes, you know, people have to do it. Like elders will say, hand him over to Satan. That his body may be, flesh may be destroyed, but his soul will be preserved. That means the, the covering of, of the, of, of God is removed from his life and is gone. That is the reason why he who pursues worthless idols will forsake his own mercy. Don't leave Jerusalem. Jerusalem is a teaching of peace. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright. That is how you enter into his blessedness first. So first, what did I say? You should. How do you enter into that blessedness? Then, then what? What did I say? Okay, first of all, who is the blessed person? Okay. Second, how to enter into that blessedness. There is a time frame to enter into that blessedness. And fourth thing, you have to stay in that blessedness. Four things I mentioned. That is Asia. The definition of Asia is over. Next next part of the teaching. Let's go back to Genesis 49 verse 20. Now that you are Asher, bread from Asher. Put all both both NIV also. Now Asher is going to produce bread. That is the point. How do we make Asher produce bread? No, the point is that. Bread from Asher will be rich or Asher's food or bread, okay? Bread will be rich. So let me just uh, put NIV and NKJV together and read this verse. My, my, my paraphrase. NIV and NKJV, I'm putting, okay? Asher's bread will be rich. Actually, Asher's bread will be fat or rich. He will provide delicacies fit for a king. Okay? So four things he's talking about Asia. First, he will have food. That is, he'll have bread. Second, it will be rich. Third, it will be delicate. Not uh, delicious, sorry, not delicate. Delicious. Fourth, it is fit for a king. Four things about Asia's food. What a blessing on Asia. Beautiful blessing. First, he will have bread. Second, he will be, it will be a rich, nutritious food. It's called fatness. I mean, the word is fat. Fat means not nutritious, nourishes, full than Okay, rich. Okay, and all nutrition, every kind of. It's like a spread, as I said. Wisdom has built her house, and she has spread her table. She has prepared her bed, mixed, made, made her meat, and also prepared the wine. And she is calling. That's that's what Asher is. Asher is the one who has got food. He has got just not not normal food. He's got nutritious food. He's got delicious food, and he's got food which is fit for a king. Now, we let us look at all these four aspects in the time. That we have, if you not, we will continue. What's the big deal? Kada. Manakim pada, ipada pada, manakim andar matlaga hooks lo nam likalo lo pala. So, first, what we'll, <laughs> let us, 
have, what does it mean for Asia to have food? Or to have bread? Hmm? It is just not that he has teaching. Teaching he is already having. No, he is easy. Asher himself has become the bread. That's the point. What did Jesus say? I am the bread. Now, in order to understand this, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Ayo. Sorry. Just give me a minute. I'll tell you. <laughs> I forgot that word. It's chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Uh, yes. Verse, verse 16 onwards. Is this NKJV? Yes, thank you. Okay, very much. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? Look, look, look at the next verse. For we, though many, are one bread. Kya baat hai? We are one bread. Okay, that means Asher has to become bread. It is Jesus just did not preach messages; he also became the message. Paul did not say he didn't just say follow my doctrine. He said follow my doctrine, my way of life, my affliction, my sufferings, my hungers, etc., my testings, everything, and all who desire to live godly lives in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. He says. This is what you need to do. So you have to just not have the doctrine. You need to also have the suffering. I mean, in the sense that you have to have the process. Only then, because the word which came to you did not come in word only, but also in power. And you became followers of us and of the Lord. Okay, you understand? So the bread has to be firstly prepared. Hmm? In order for the bread to be prepared, what we have to do, we have to first go out. And preach the gospel and gather the grains. And bring them into the barn. That is what we call as evangelism or whatever process. Turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 3. We are talking about making of the bread. So what is what is what is we are being harvesting. Harvesting the world with the gospel. If I am 3 verse 14 bro. Verse 14. Return of backsliding children, says the Lord. I am married to you. I will take you one from Ahmedabad, two from, uh, let's say, Wilfield. Okay, two from Nigeria here. Okay. And uh, several from Andhra and Telangana. And I will bring you to Zion. That is what we call as evangelism. Uh, one from here, from Nagol and all those places, and one from Bengal also. Kya baat hai? Okay, that is one of the greatest barriers I've ever seen. A Bengali and a Christian, and, and a, not a and, a, and a Telugu. Never happened. Never, I've never have seen that combination in my life. That, but as, but that has also happened here. So, one from Bengal, one from Ahmedabad, Gujarat, one from Kerala, several from Kerala, several from Andhra, and two from Nigeria also are here. Gathered them all. That is what we call as gathering of the grains. You know, God does not gather grains only from Andhra. That is, we call Telugu speaking church. Thankfully, our church is not like that. We gather people from different backgrounds, okay? So, gather, God has gathered people from different, different, different backgrounds through the gospel. We have all been brought here. Then what does he do? We have to remove the 
फार्वेस्ट करने के बाद क्या बनता है ఫారోలి clean out the threshing floor so that is what we are doing okay gather his wheat into the barn and he will take up the chaff and throw it outside okay wheat and the barn has to be separated through teaching and therefore when you are being taught like that don't muzzle the ox who is teaching you that means take good care of him you don't have to pay him but take good care of him that's all don't irritate him okay <laughs> that's all <laughs> meaning not don't irritate him meaning uh Uh, because they have to give a, an account for your souls don't behave in a way which will be grievous to them if you do that it will not go well with you that's the point that is what it says in first timothy chapter 5 verse 17 and 18 okay did you understand petros let the elders who rule well rule well important okay be counted worthy of double honor especially those who labor no pointers nobody labors these days they want everything easy they go to the internet they don't spend time with the word of god i told you no they don't spend time in the word then therefore they don't have authority you know the most important thing i believe we have to do deliberately because there is so much of teaching we have to actually reject all that and spend more time with god those days you know so much of teaching was not available so much of teaching is there you know one of the things musicians music music uh, uh, what is it uh, music directors huh? music directors huh? music director they are scared of is plagiarism are this tune is already there somewhere you know why because Ah, the scene is already there somewhere in some other movie. Why? Because there are so many movies, so much of music, somewhere some reference point will be there. But how do you create something? I'm not saying that we should not refer, but we should have a real, real thorough understanding of the scriptures. You should labor in the word of God. That is the reason why Paul tells Timothy, study to show yourselves approved unto God. So what is happening over here? You're not... studying to get approval of men the word is dokumentzo you know what the word dokumentzo means study and document study and document study and document divide it do a thorough analysis allow the spirit of god to compare sp- scripture with scripture that's what it says in first first corinthians chapter 2 what do, what do we do we compare spiritual things with spiritual things and there are only 66 books which have got the audacity to say that i am inspired by the spirit so study your scriptures that is the reason why it says those who were in berea were much more noble than those in thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness of mind but also searched the scriptures i stop there deliberately to see if anyone you can will come will continue to search the scriptures huh daily daily 
search the scriptures daily. That is the reason of that, I'm sorry, pastor said, right? What did he say? There's no letter to the Berean church. Isn't it amazing? They didn't need to have any letter. They were thorough. You see, so, especially labor and doctrine, that's the point. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox, which treads out the grain, and the labor is worthy of his wages. So what does it mean? That means, come under places where they nicely grind you. Cut, 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 cut. You do think, just imagine the grain under the ox's hooves. What is happening? If it has feelings. If it has feelings. Thoroughly it says, he will thoroughly, you go back to Matthew chapter 3, verse 11 and 12, verse 12 especially. Look at what it says. Ah, he will thoroughly clean out. See, we have to do not a sloppy job. Thorough job. Colossians chapter 1, verses 28 and 29 only. Only. Him we preach, warning every man, teaching every man, how? In all wisdom, that we may present every man, how? Perfect in Christ. It is not the Urdu how of Hyderabad, but how, H-O-W, how, okay? <laughs> Perfect in Christ, to this end I also labor, striving according to his working which works in me mightily. The word is working in me, I'm working hard, I've become the bread, I'm also creating bread. Okay, he who gives bread to the eater and seed to the sower is also God. And what am I doing? I'm thoroughly cleansing and cleansing and cleansing. Okay. So, remove the chaff. Go back to so Matthew chapter 3 and verse 12. And it's look at what it says. Thoroughly cleanse out the threshing floor. Gather the wheat into the barn. So that means separate. Don't mix anything. Don't say, I need fiber. Fiber is already there. Fiber. Okay, just <laughs> burn up the chaff and Gather the wheat. This has to happen. First, so what does he do? We have to gather the grain. Second, how what do you have to do? You have to remove the shaft and gather all the grains. But there's still grains. Separate, separate grains, individual grains. Oh, how can you say that um, uh, Sami and we are almost the same? No, we can't. No, we are all different, different people with different, different backgrounds, with different, different uh, what do you say, mindsets and uh, personalities, as and and my, my whatever uh, dispositions and attitudes, etc. All different. What should we do next? We have to grind them. Imjala danchala, right? But not severely, sufficiently to make bread. <laughs> okay, so. Isaiah chapter 28, verse 28. Hmm. Isaiah chapter 28, verse 28. Okay, let us read that, please. Bread flour must be ground. <laughs> but do not thresh it for ever. Break it with its with his cartwheel or crush it with its horsemen. Okay, that now we have become powder. We are almost the 
same no now you cannot say i am uh, gujarati wheat i cannot say i am telangana wheat no 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 we all become one now nobody knows which is <laughs> which is which almost the same now next next process is what you have to make it into dough that means we have to make them into one seamless whole first corinthians chapter 1 verse 10 Now I plead with you brothers by the name of our Lord Jesus that you all speak the same thing. There be no divisions among you that you should be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. So first of all what you have to do you have to <laughs> you have to gather put the grains I mean gather the grains then you have to thresh the grains then you have to ground the grains and then you have to how, what is grounding means? Teaching which will crush you. All your humility, all your, uh, what do you say, pride and everything gets crushed. Under teaching only, most of the time. And submission, basically. Danchar Bhaga. Okay. And then you make it into a dough. Okay. So you mix water and you mix oil, both again word. And anointing and mix it nicely, nicely, nicely until everything becomes almost the same. Same mind, same judgment, speaking the same thing. What a choice that is, no? You think it is easy to become Asia? But the last day's church has to be this. No, this is what we call as an apostle, not only apostolic church, apocalyptic church. Okay. We have a lot of people who call themselves, no, apostolic church of whatever, uh, Grace Tabernacle Apostolic Church. No, 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 no. We have to call ourselves Grace Tabernacle Apocalyptic Church. I'm just giving you, I'm not just, just telling you the attitude. We don't have to call ourselves that way. Apocalyptic. We are living as if God is coming in our generation. So that we have to have perfect division. Another Philippians chapter 1 verse 2. Sorry, 2 verse 1. Philippians chapter 2 verse 1 and 2, in fact. Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection of mercy, fulfill my joy. Whose joy? Paul's joy. And therefore God's joy. By being like-minded, having the same love, being in one accord and of one mind. Kya baat hai? Same love. Can all of us have the same love? Same love means we love righteousness, we Hate lawlessness. We might have different pitches, but when we sing together, it is one accord. We're making music. Singing in different pitches, notwithstanding the fact. But we all have the same mind. What is that mind? The mind of Christ. We are like-minded. What is that? What an amazing thing, no? Like-minded of one mind, finally. First Peter chapter 3. forgot to write it here. I'm going to sh- give you that verse. <coughs> Are you there? Uh, just give me a minute please. First Peter chapter 3 and verse 8. Yes, 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 yes. Thank you. Finally, all of you be with of one mind, having compassion for one another, love as brothers, be tender-hearted, be courteous. Next verse also. 
be courteous. Next, not returning evil for evil, reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless that you, knowing that to this you were called, that you may inherit a blessing. Why? Next verse. And he's quoting from Psalm 32. For he who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from speaking evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. So what, what are we supposed to do? Pursue holiness with God and peace with all our brothers in the church so that we can become one dough. How does it happen? By the water and by the oil and we are nicely mixed and we are made a dough. Is it over bread? Do we eat dough? No. We don't eat dough. So what do we do next? We bake it. Okay. <laughs> that is the problem. Okay. Now we are all enjoying ourselves and then comes trial, tribulation, tests. To test how strong our bond is. How much we love one another. Will we stand for one another or will we betray one another? Or will we buckle under pressure? Do we betray one another? Will we hand over one another? So you know what God sends? Furnace. He puts us in an oven to bake us. On both sides. One side, next side. One side, next side. But before he bakes us, he wants us to do something. Turn to Leviticus, please. <laughs> Chapter 2, verse 4 to 10. Verse. And if you bring as an offering, a grain offering baked in the oven, it should be first unleavened cakes. That means what I have to do first? I have to take out the leaven from this whole lump. Turn to First Corinthians, therefore. And chapter 5, verse 6 to 8. Your glorying is not good. Don't you know, that means, Baba, don't boast in the church. Like pastor was saying yesterday, no? Don't show off. One of the most irritating uh, characteristics in all of us that desire to make somebody else feel jealous about us. You know, that's what couples say, na? hey, let us make the others jealous, Ray. Na, 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 na. You see, what a nice marriage I have. What a fantastic husband I have. What great children I have. Nonsense. Leaven. That pride is a huge leaven. That's what it says. What builds up? Love builds up. Knowledge puffs up. Leaven, what does it do? It puffs up. It spreads and it puffs up. It takes off all the sugars in the system. Right? Fermentation. All the sweetness is gone. Because of pride. Because of arrogance. 
Because of this irritating nature in people that they have to make others jealous about them. That is what Joseph was first. Let us make others jealous, Re. Terrible attitude. You know what God says? Therefore, purge out the old nature inside of you and say, God, these days which I'm there, Lord, I have all these irritating attitudes, first of all. Then if somebody else succeeds, somebody else succeeds, I get irritated even more. I want that fellow also to fail. So that we cannot feel <laughs> the best way to humble ourselves to make others fail. Kya baat hai? Perch out the old leaven that you may be made a new lump since you are truly unleavened for Christ our Passover has been sacrificed for you. Take away all that leaven from your life. The leaven of pride. The leaven of immorality. Sexual immorality. To Corinthian church it talks about that. Don't you know that little level? You are, you, you know what? There's, there's sexual immorality in, inside your midst and you have not even mourned about it. And such kind of immorality is not even mentioned among Gentiles. On the contrary, not, you're not even mourning, you're actually getting puffed up. Don't you know that a level, little leaven leavens the whole lump? Purge out. Purge out every aspect of your life and say, Lord, what is those areas in my life? And let me stay unleavened. Leaven spreads. So you have the dough. Now the leaven is gone. Now what should God do? Bake it. Test it. Test it. Test it. Test the love. Send external pressures. Financial pressures, for example. Will we love our brothers? How can we love our brothers? How can we love God whom we have not seen when we don't love our brothers whom we see? And bake it and bake it and bake it and bake it from all directions and then we become a nice bread without leaven. Okay, that is one part. Second part, the leaven has to be, or the bread has to be rich, fat, nutritious. Okay, it should be a lamb without blemish and it has to have nutritious, you should have nutrition in it, right? It should not be, it should be meat, not milk. <laughs> and that has to be presented. It has to be delicious. It has to be tasty. It has to smell good. Now how do we make it tasty? First we become the bread. First. And now we have to present the bread. Our presentation is important. Okay. People have to get attracted to our gospel. How? By love. It says when people, when you, when they see your love that you have for one another, they will get attracted to you. They will see your good works and they will glorify God in heaven. They will see. It has to be delicious. And also when you present the gospel, it has to be interesting. It has to be interesting. So those people who are, let's say for example, laboring in giving the word of God, make the word of God palpable and interesting so that you can have people's attention, especially I have your attention for the last two hours. Of course, some some of you are dozing off, that's because of tiredness, I will excuse you, no problem. 
But at least to the best of my knowledge, I think I've made it a little interesting. You didn't have, I put a lot of element of surprise here and there, right? Okay, I, I hope so. <laughs> Turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 12, please. Verse 9 onwards. Moreover, I love this. Okay. I'm going to read it in my other translation also, but let me just, I, I don't think you will have it in your uh, lappy. Uh, moreover, because the preacher was wise, he still taught the people knowledge. Yes, he pondered and sought out and set in order many proverbs. The preacher sought to find acceptable words. What was written and what was written was upright words of truth. Okay, he just didn't give nonsense. The words of the wise are like goads. And the words of scholars are like well-driven <laughs> nails. That means, support. Given by the one shepherd. And further, my son, be admonished by these. Of many, making many books, there is no end, and in much study is wearisome to the flesh. That's what I'm telling you, no. There is one shepherd. Read works inspired by that one shepherd. Turn to John's Gospel, chapter 10. You know it, no? What I'm talking about? Everybody knows what I'm talking about. If you have been in GTC for this long, you would know. And read from verse 1. They will go in and out and find pasture. Yeah, verse uh, verse seven. Yeah, yeah, let's read from verse one to one to five, one to four, and then let's read verse uh, seven to nine. Yeah, uh, most assuredly I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs over some other ways, the same is a thief and a robber. He who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep, etc. So the doorkeeper opens and where it says, I am the shepherd. Uh, was six maybe. I am the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. Oh, verse 11. Yeah. Verse 11. Hmm? Verse 11 and verse 7 to 9. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. And verse 7 to 9. 7 to 9. And that's it. Okay. Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. He will go in and out and find pasture. Good food. So let me read it, read it for you, okay? And this is the living Bible, the living Bible, TLB. Hmm? Read, follow carefully. So it's being recorded, but you follow carefully. But then, because the preacher was wise, he went on teaching the people all he knew. Okay? Is it there? TLB is there? No, it's not. Okay. Because NLT is there? NLT, is NLT there? Okay, put NLT. Let's see. If I'm, if I'm right. Indeed, the teacher taught me, taught the plain truth and he, uh, yeah. The, indeed, the teacher, the teacher was wise. He 
He taught the people everything he knew. He collected proverbs and classified them. Ideas didn't, didn't, didn't teach us like that. Indeed, the teacher taught the plain truth and he did so in an interesting way. Kya baat hai? And that is what we call as delicious. So when you come to the come to the church, no? Wow, that was just not a heavy meal. That was a delicious meal. Pet bhar gaya, par dil nahi bhara. My stomach is full, but my heart is not. And woe to the teachers who make the word of God boring. You know, one of, the, some, one of the things that I keep on asking God, Lord, please, Lord, lead. I need this gift of making things in an interesting way. So, you know what? He has to classify classify the proverbs. He just don't, he doesn't, he should not enumerate proverbs. <laughs> he has to classify them. That means he has to be a director who writes his script properly. The screenplay is very important. He can start in the middle and tell how he came to that middle. That is an interesting way of presentation. Not chronological events. That is documentary. How many of you have seen documentary which has become blockbusters? They might get an Oscar, but not a blockbuster. You understand what I am saying? Teacher taught the plain truth and he did so in an interesting way. Kya baat hai? Next verse. The wise teacher's words spur students to action and emphasize important truths. Kya baat hai? You see, there are so many truths. Faith, hope and love. But of the greatest of these things is emphasizing important truths. He spurs the teachers and the students into action. The collected sayings of the wise are the are like the guidance from the one shepherd. What is he doing? He's creating a meal, interesting meal, and he's saying, you know what? After I finish teaching my students, it is delicious. And after that, they are spurred into action. And then he says, verse twelve. But my child, be warned. There is no end to opinions. <laughs> you see, that is the reason why there is a difference between inspiration and opinion. Manisilayo. You don't understand. What do you say in Nigerian? Okay, whatever it is. I'm going to learn it. By the time I finish, and you will consume it for sure. <laughs> you see, but my child be warned. There is no end to opinions ready to be expressed. Everybody has an opinion. They don't have inspiration. They have opinion. Studying them can go on forever. Become very exhausting. That is the reason why in Timothy chapter, uh, he says, you don't have to turn there. They are ever learning, but never coming to the knowledge of truth. They are ever learning, but never coming to the knowledge of truth. That is the reason I pastor was telling yesterday. We are not here to give you a big head. We are here to teach you so that you can be spurred into action. So we emphasizing important attributes that you should have. So that one day you will be spurred into action. So we have bread. Okay, second, how is that bread made? 
how does for first first we we had the uh Asher we had Asher he has bread then it was what bread rich bread then it was a delicious bread and finally it's a bread which is fit for kings what does kings mean they have to reign they have to reign over sin they have to reign over the powers of darkness they have to be literally like Jesus when he came on earth. He reigned over sin, he reigned over powers of darkness and he reigned over the world. So ask yourself this question. Do we have teaching which will cause you to reign over, over your situations? For example, Numbers chapter 14 verse 8 to 9. Two people who really wanted to reign. If the Lord delights in us, who are these two people, Baba? Joshua and Caleb. Okay, let me just uh, tell you off. Okay, If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and, to, and give it to us, a land which falls with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, not fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. You see that? Their protection is gone, has departed from them, and the Lord is with us, do not fear. Meaning what? I will overcome these giants. Nothing is going to stop them. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? What are these fellows doing? Hiding and describing the Philistine. Eating three meals a day nicely. Military food. But are they reigning? No. They are hiding. There was one guy who was in the wilderness. In his secret life, he was eating and he was reigning over powers of darkness. He was already king, Baba. He was king in secret and he one, one day is going to reign over Israel. And he comes and he says, who is this fellow? Who is this fellow? You come to me with the javelin and the spear. I come to you in the name of the Lord of Jehovah Shabbat, whose armies you have defied. Reign. So do we have this kind of food? If you don't have this kind of food, then in the last days, we are just going to fall apart. We'll have only milk. Is only for who? For babies. Solid food is for those who by the reason have their reason, I mean, have their senses exercised. They're able to distinguish between what is evil and what is good and they have practiced the way of righteousness. We'll end up with that, no? Turn to Hebrews chapter 5. Is it there? Hebrews chapter 5, the last, the, the, what is that verse? Verse 13 onwards. For everyone who partakes, partake, partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are full of age, that is those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Okay? Food that will cause us to reign. So Asher has bread which is rich, which is delicious, which is meant for kings. But are we inspired to become an Asher? Is a question. What is the plan B for you? Is there any plan B? No plan B. Only plan A. We have to be an Asher. No other plan. Okay? Let us ask God for the grace. Let's pray.
Father, we just thank you, Father, for this day. Thank you, Lord, for all the goodness and your mercy that we have enjoyed in our lives. Thank you, Father, for teaching us your ways. Continue to teach us all the truths we have learned. Let it become a part of us and cause us to walk in your ways. For in Jesus' name, Amen.